Let's turn now to the Word of God in 2 Corinthians 3. In the first part of this chapter, the Apostle Paul is saying that in his work as a minister and missionary, he didn't need any letters of recommendation that the believers themselves were his letters of recommendation. But he says, too, that as letters of recommendation, they were written by the Spirit of the living God, and that those letters of recommendation were written not in tables of stone like the law in the Old Testament, but in the hearts of God's people. That's the first six verses of 2 Corinthians 3. Do we begin again to commend ourselves, or need we have some others' epistles of commendation to you, or letters of commendation from you? Ye are our epistle, written in our hearts, known and read of all men. For as much as ye are manifestly declared to be the epistle of Christ, ministered by us, written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God, not in tables of stone, but in fleshly tables of the heart. And such trust have we through Christ to Godward. Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything as of ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God, who also hath made us able ministers of the New Testament, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter killeth, but the Spirit giveth life. And then the Apostle Paul goes on to compare what he calls the ministration of death written and engraven in stones. The law goes on to compare that and the glory of that with the glory of the gospel as it was preached by him and by the other apostles in the New Testament. But if the ministration of death, written and engraven in stones, was glorious, so that the children of Israel could not steadfastly behold the face of Moses for the glory of his countenance, which glory was to be done away, how shall not the ministration of the Spirit be rather glorious. For if the ministration of condemnation be glory, much more doth the ministration of righteousness exceed in glory. For even that which was made glorious had no glory in this respect by reason of the glory that excelleth. For if that which is done away was glorious, much more that which remaineth is glorious. Seeing then that we have such hope, we use great plainness of speech. 
And not as Moses, which put a veil over his face, that the children of Israel could not steadfastly look to the end of that which is abolished, but their minds were blinded. For until this day remaineth the same veil untaken away in the reading of the Old Testament, which veil is done away in Christ. But even unto this day when Moses is read, the veil is upon their heart. Nevertheless, when it shall turn to the Lord, the veil shall be taken away. Now the Lord is that spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all with open face, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the spirit of the Lord. That last verse is what I'm going to be preaching on this evening, verse 18. But we all with open face, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. What would you give? My dear friends, what would you give for a mirror that would change you in whatever way you wanted when you looked into it? It Change the color of your hair, give you a full head of hair if you're going bald would change your appearance in whatever way you wanted. I don't know what you would give, but I know that there are those who would give everything they have for a mirror like that. And, of course, there is in this world no such mirror. No mirror that can change the way we appear, the way we look, just simply by our looking at that mirror. The Word of God here, in 2 Corinthians 3, verse 18, tells us that we do have a mirror like that. It's called a glass. We would probably say a looking glass in the verse. But that mirror of which the Word of God speaks in this verse does change us. Only it doesn't change our physical appearance. It changes us spiritually. When we have the opportunity, as we often do, to look at that mirror, we're changed by looking into that mirror, the Word of God says, into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. 
And it's that mirror that I want to speak about this evening. I want to talk about what that mirror is and what we see in that mirror. In some ways, it's a very, very unusual mirror, a mirror like no other mirror. But I also want to talk about the change that comes about, that's described in those words I just read. Talk about the change that comes when we look at that mirror. And finally, I want to talk about the work of the Spirit. And that's going to take us back to the previous verses as well and to that reference to Moses and the veil that he wore on his face when he came down from Mount Sinai to look into that mirror, the Word of God says, we have to have that veil, veil very much like the veil that Moses wore on his face. We have to have that taken away. We have, that's the point of that word open. We have to be able to look into that mirror with an open or unveiled face if we're to be changed by looking at it. So those things this evening, the mirror, we'll start with that. The mirror is the word of God preached. If you go back through the chapter, even go back to chapter 2 of 2 Corinthians, you'll see that that's what Paul is focused on in those chapters, the preaching of the gospel. And he compares the gospel to a mirror, then a glass, and our hearing the gospel to looking at that mirror. Now, before I say anything more about that, I want to make it clear, every preacher of the gospel should remember that, that his only responsibility as a preacher of the gospel is to hold that mirror up so that God's people can look into it. The mirror of the word of God. His own thoughts, his own ideas, his own philosophies are not the mirror that the word of God is talking about. This is. And when a minister of the gospel faithfully preaches the word of God, it's just like he's holding that mirror up so that all who are present can look at that mirror. But what they see in that mirror and what you should see when your minister holds that mirror up for you, what you should see in that mirror is 
what the Word of God calls in this verse the glory of the Lord. Not yourself, but the glory of the Lord. There's another passage in the book of James that talks about the Word of God as a mirror. James 1, the 23rd verse and what follows. James says, If any be a hearer of the Word and not a doer, He is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass, for he beholdeth himself and goeth his way, and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. So James is talking about, there about the word of God as a mirror, in which we see our own faces. And by the way, when we see our own faces in the mirror of the word of God, We see our spiritual ugliness and our need for Christ. But here the emphasis is on the fact that in that mirror of the word of God, we see the glory of the Lord, see Christ. And thinking again of a minister of the gospel and his calling, Paul is emphasizing the fact that the minister, when he holds up that mirror, has to hold it up in such a way that God's people see Christ in that mirror. That was the way Paul preached. He said in another place to the Corinthians, when I was with you, I preached nothing but Christ and him crucified. In other words, when he held up that mirror, he held it up in such a way that the Corinthians saw the glory of the Lord in that mirror. And the reference is to Christ. Christ as the Son of God. His glory as the Son of God. Christ as the one who is like us in everything but sin. That's part of his glory. Christ crucified, Christ risen, Christ ascended, Christ at the right hand of God, Christ coming again. That has to be, that glory of the Lord has to be what we see in the mirror of the preaching of the gospel. And really, that is, though we have to see our own faces too, as James tells us, that is the most important thing in the preaching of the gospel. Preaching of the gospel is not a place for political commentary and things like that. There should be nothing of the wisdom, the psychology, the philosophy of man in the preaching of the gospel. It has to be Christ 
and the glory of Christ, but the glory of Christ as the one to whom you and I belong. So that when we see him in that mirror of the preaching of the word of God, we say, yes, I know him. I belong to him. He's my Lord. He purchased me. And with body and soul and everything I have, I'm his. That is, in a few words, the whole content of the preaching of the gospel. Now, that doesn't mean, of course, that when a minister preaches the gospel, he limits himself to a few passages, one here and one there. But it's a reference to the fact that the scriptures, the word of God, from beginning to end, are full of Christ. And in understanding the scriptures, preaching them too, we have to see Christ and his glory. Nothing in all the world is so important as that. Have to see our need for him too. James emphasizes that. But the most important thing of all is that we see in the mirror of the word of God faithfully preached by those whom God sends, see the glory of the Lord. That, that brings me to the second part of this evening's sermon. That is what changes us. When nothing else will. I think we, most of us know that by experience. I cannot change you. You can't change each other. No matter how hard you try. There is one thing that changes us, transforms us. And that's the glory of the Lord seen in the preaching of the gospel. That's why I need to be looking into that mirror as often as I possibly can. Although I have to do that, as the Word of God says, with open face. But I have to be constantly looking into that mirror. Then I'll be a changed husband, father, son daughter, member of the church, but only then. 
we all, with open face, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord, are changed. You want to make sure? As husband, father, whatever, that you are the best possible husband and father, nothing is going to bring that about. But seeing the glory of Christ, Christ crucified, Christ risen, Christ is the one who gives us his spirit, seeing that, seeing it again and again and again in the preaching of the gospel. And so it is with each of us in all the different relationships in which we live. We have a calling as parents to discipline our children, to teach them, to be a good example to them. But that by itself doesn't change them and make them children of God. Only when they see Christ by faith in the mirror of the word of God will they be changed. Now that change is described And I want to talk about that too. That change is described in two different ways in the verse. The word of God speaks of being changed into the same image. And then adds, from glory to glory changed into the same image from glory to glory. Now, you may be wondering what that means, and it's not as difficult as we may think. That word change, first of all, and you can look that up for yourself in a good concordance, that word change is actually a Greek word that has become part of the English language. It's the word metamorphosis. I don't know if you're all acquainted with that word, but some of you will have learned it in science classes in school. It's the word we use to describe what happens when a little caterpillar makes itself a chrysalis and goes to sleep in that chrysalis and comes out of it finally a completely changed creature. Changed from a kind of worm into one of the most beautiful of all God's creatures. That's the kind of change that takes place 
when we look into the mirror of the word of God and see Christ in that mirror. We're changed in the same way and even more wonderfully than that caterpillar when it's changed into a butterfly. That's wonderful, isn't it? Now that change isn't finished, of course, till we like that butterfly fly away to heaven. But it begins now. We are being changed. Takes a whole lifetime for most of us. And from day to day, we don't see much change in ourselves and others. But I think if you look back over the years of your life, however many they are, you'll see that You've changed. And perhaps others even say that. You're not the same as you once were. You've changed and changed for the better. But a marvelous change. That I am not the same now at 60 years old as I was when I was in my teens. Is the result of a lifetime of looking into the mirror of the Word of God. And the very best thing that can happen, although we'll all admit even as we grow older, that there is a great deal of change that must still take place. But that comes by seeing Christ in the Word of God faithfully preached. Now the Word of God also describes that with the words into the same image. And that explains why that change is so wonderful. Changed into the same image means that seeing Christ in that mirror of the Word of God, I become like Him. My spiritual face changes and becomes Christ-like. And then you understand why the Word of God uses that Greek word metamorphosis to describe that change. What could be more glorious or wonderful than that? I become like Him in holiness. Like Him in love. The Word of God, you know, doesn't just tell me that I, I have to love my wife. 
but it tells me that I have to love my wife in the same way that Christ loved his church. And you have to love one another in that way. But that change takes place by seeing Christ. That's all. Something similar happened, you know, with the disciples when they were with Christ on earth. It wasn't long after he ascended into heaven that they were arrested by the leaders of the Jews who could see, you remember that? That they had been with Jesus. That was the first thing they noticed. They'd been with Jesus, and something very much like that happens when you and I see Christ in the preaching of the gospel. We become like him in holiness, in love, in our attitudes towards others. We become Christ-like husbands and wives and children and members of the church. And of course, you'll agree with me, I'm sure, that that's what needs to happen too. A wife who has any understanding of what Christian marriage is all about wants nothing so much as that her husband be Christ-like. And the same is true of a husband. And parents spend their energy and their wealth and pray constantly for their children, not because they want them to succeed in this world, but because they want them to be like Christ. Christian parents do that. But that comes about through seeing Christ, as it were, in the preaching of the Word of God. So, you and I have to be forever in front of that mirror and have to come to the preaching of the gospel with the prayer, God, give me grace to see Christ once again, in the word that's preached, Christ in all his beauty as my Lord, Christ in the beauty of his work, Christ in the beauty of his person. God help me. Then that change from change into the same image takes place. And the word of God adds to that from glory to glory. And it's talking there about the fact that as Christians, that change has already begun. I said a moment ago that you should be able to look back over many years and see that you've changed, changed in your attitudes, changed in your behavior, 
changed in your relationships to others should be able to see that. That's the glory, the glory of Christ by his spirit working in us and changing us. But it's from glory, the word of God says, from that glory of already resembling Christ to the glory that is still to come when even our bodies are changed into the likeness of his glorious body. That won't come until we see him face to face, the word of God says in Philippians. But the change has begun won't be finished till that wonderful day when we do see him face to face. But that's what the word of God means when it says from glory to glory. And to make some application of that, if Christ is faithfully preached in this place, and that's what should be happening. You, in your relationships to one another, must be coming more and more like Him. How can you not? If every Lord's Day you come and see in the mirror of the preaching of the word the face of Christ, if that doesn't change you in your relationships to one another, there isn't anything else that will ever change you. Nothing can. But seeing Christ, you must be, you will be changed into the same image from glory to glory. So for what the sake of, you of what you hear in the preaching of the gospel, love one another as Christ loved you. Forgive one another as you've been forgiven. Live together as husbands and wives, as Christ lives with his wife, the church. Show in your relationships to one another the kind of mercy and loving kindness and grace that you yourself have been shown in the face of Jesus Christ. Changed, changed into the same image from glory to glory. Transformed, that was the word I used in the theme for tonight's sermon.
because the word change doesn't even begin to describe what happens in the lives of God's people under the preaching of Christ crucified. Now that doesn't happen, that change, and that brings me to the third part of tonight's sermon. That doesn't just happen automatically. The Spirit is the one who changes us. And that takes us back to what the previous verses are talking about, to that story of Moses when he came down from Mount Sinai and had to put a veil over his face after 40 days in the presence of God. That, by the way, is a picture of what happens when you see Christ in the preaching that your spiritual face shines with the glory of God like Moses' face did when he came down from the mountain. But the word of God says here in 2 Corinthians 3 that Moses had to put that veil over his face because the Israelites couldn't stand the glory that shone from his face. How does the word of God have it? The children of Israel could not steadfastly look to the end of that which was abolished. But Paul talks there about the fact that the veil that Moses put over his face was really on the hearts of the Israelites. or, if you will, on their faces. And because they had that veil, they couldn't see the glory of God and love the glory of God and couldn't see Christ. In fact, Paul says in those concluding verses of chapter 3, they still can't see him. They still have that veil on their hearts and over their spiritual eyes. Still can't see the glory of God in Christ. It's only when the Spirit works that that veil is taken away and they turn to the Lord. But it's the work of God's Spirit to take that veil away from our hearts so that we see Christ, see his glory, really, really see it. I don't mean, of course, that you just acknowledge the fact that the Bible teaches that Christ is God 
but that you see the wonder and the glory of that, that the one who came to save us from our sins is none other but God himself incarnate. And so on, with all that the Bible teaches as Christ. It's not just a matter of intellectual assent to what the Bible teaches, but of real spiritual understanding. It's the work of the Spirit that makes that possible. And that's why you have those words at the end of verse 18, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. On the one hand, that's why it's possible for a person to sit in a Christian church under the preaching of the Word of God all his life long and nothing changes. Why he's there Maybe for different reasons. But he's the same person after 20 or 30 or 40 years that he was when he first joined the church, sat under the preaching of the gospel. Nothing changes. In his attitudes, in his relationships, in his life, nothing changes. It's that veil really the veil of unbelief over his heart and over his spiritual eyes so that like those Israelites he never looks to the end of that which is abolished never sees Christ as the goal and purpose of the whole word of God And so, nothing changes. It's the Spirit who gives us what 2 Corinthians 3 verse 18 says, the ability to look with open, unveiled face in that mirror of the Word of God and see in that mirror, Christ, in all his loveliness, in all his power, in all his glory, and be transformed. And that's, of course, the reason, too, why there should always be as part of the worship of the church, the prayer that God, by his spirit, worked through the singing of the Psalms, worked through the reading of scripture, worked through the preaching of the gospel, what he alone is able to do. Changing hearts, changing minds, changing attitudes, changing relationships so that the members of the church 
are more and more like him to whom they belong. And I trust, too, that that's happening here in this Christian church and will continue to happen, that your minister will faithfully hold in front of you that mirror, that glass, but that the Spirit will work, too, so that you're able to look into that mirror with unveiled face and see what a law can change you. Change you, and I'll leave you with that this evening, change you until that day comes the day that the Apostle John describes in 1 John 3, when that metamorphosis is complete, when that change is finished, change so wonderful, John says, that we can't even imagine it yet. It doth not yet appear what we shall be, but you know the rest of the verse? But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him. For we shall see him as he is. God grant that to you and I, to all his people, and granted especially in these evil and troubled times in which we live, that we all You and I, first of all, with open face beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. God grant it. Amen. Father of mercies and God of all grace, thank Thee for what we've heard from the Word of God this evening and ask, Father, that we may have caught a glimpse once again of the glory of our Lord and Savior and that that change, that transformation of which the Word of God speaks may take place in this congregation and in each of us. Forgive us, Lord, when we are so slow of heart, so weak in faith, that we are like the Israelites of old. 
Forgive us all our sins for his sake. Give us grace each Lord's day to see what we must see in the preaching of the gospel. And so change us until that day comes when with body and soul and for all eternity we will be like our Savior. May that day come soon. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.